0: Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, Episode 320, Mars Audio Log number 6. I'm Gary Jordan. I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, astronauts, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight and more. We're back with another audio log from the Chappia crew. SHAPIA, or Crew Health and Performance Exploration Analog, is a year-long analog mission in a habitat right here on Earth that is simulating very closely what it would be like to live on Mars. We're lucky enough to have monthly check-ins with the crew. Commander Kelly Haston, Flight Engineer Ross Brockwell, Medical Officer Nathan Jones, and Science Officer Anka Salariu. To meet the needs of fitting in with this analog and simulating significant communication delays between Earth and Mars that prohibit us from having a live conversation, the crew is recording an audio log based off of the questions that we draft for them. On this episode, we'll play the recording of their sixth month in the habitat, which is here, right at the Johnson Space Center, and was recorded in December and January of 2023 and 2024, respectively. We'll also be bringing in special guests to learn even more about CHAPIA. This month is on a topic that is perfect for that New Year's resolution, exercise. We have a lot of practice and a lot of data for the exercise needs of a crew on a long-duration expedition on the International Space Station. Six months and even some data for crew that have been there for a year. It's a mix of resistive and aerobic exercise on a daily basis. So for a crew on Mars, what is the right exercise regimen for a year on the Red Planet? On this episode, we have Peter Schneider and Alyssa Varanosky, human performance scientists who have been working on the exercise component of the CHAPIA mission. So with that, let's learn from the CHAPIA crew on how they're doing, and from Peter and Alyssa on the CHAPIA exercise. Let's get right into it.
1: E minus 5,
2: second,
1: 10, counting. Mark. Mission start. 0 sir.
0: All right, first is Chapia Mission Commander, Kelly Haston.
3: Hi, my name is Kelly Haston, and I'm the commander of Chapia Mission One, a one-year Mars analog mission out of Johnson Space Center in Houston. So far on our mission, um, as we've just hit our 50% point or our first in essence, six months or so, uh, things are actually going really, really well, and and I say that every time because we do these about uh, approximately once a month, um, and and I just want to say that it's it's continually just a source of of joy for me, and also just you know a real pleasure to actually continue to tell people that we're doing really great on this mission. Um, I just have to commend both the the crew who continues to really just rise to each occasion and give their best. Um, and really, you know, continue to excel at, um, in, in this regard, but also, you know, our support systems as well outside. It's a very long mission. It's over a year. And it's, you know, a really long time for us to all maintain our focus and produce our best possible result. And so I, I think it's super, it's just amazing to me that we're all doing so well still, we're still incredibly engaged and just really um, enjoying the process of continuing to hit our goals. So everything is actually going really great. Um, some of the highlights of the last month. So of course, you know, December in our normal lives are are dominated by, or for many people are dominated by holidays. Um, in American Thanksgiving was just at the tail end of November. And we did celebrate that in a very nice way, which was really, really nice. Um, and then for the, the month of December, our, our med, uh, officer is particularly, uh, has a great love of Christmas and did a really, really great job of preparing for Christmas in the habitat by bringing things in Um, that we could, you know, engage with the holiday for. So he brought in a a small tree that we were able to put up and decorate. It was decorated with both handmade ornaments and also 3D printed ornaments that we made here. Um, And really, he did a tremendous job there. And we also had uh, quite a bit of uh, quite a few Christmas movies to work through and quite a bit of Christmas music. So we really did engage in that. And what that allowed us to do is have several really special uh, moments together as a crew. um, And also, for him to, you know, maybe do some things in conjunction with his family, um, which meant that, you know, he was celebrating certain things that they do um, at a particular time or at least close to when they would be doing it. And I think that that created a a really nice sense of a sort of uh, togetherness for him with his family as well. And really, we, we actually all surprised ourselves and ended up having a very robust Christmas morning gift exchange where we had a surprising number of gifts, both both made in the habitat and some of them brought in as part of our weight uh, allocation. So it was a really, really nice holiday, and it gave everyone a chance to really sort of uh, spend time together and in, engage in a different way than we normally do. So that was really nice. On top of that, we also continued to really um, move through our process of doing our daily activities, which is a mix of both EVAs or vehicular activities, um, both virtual reality based and also in what we call the sandbox or, or the sandy area that is next to our habitat that mimics a Martian landscape. And in in all cases, I think that the crew continue to really excel at doing these things. Um, and even though we are in some ways sort of grinding along, as you do in a normal job, where we're you know not doing new things every single time, sometimes we're repeating things or we have you know tasks that are repetitive and need to be done weekly or or come around every every so often. Um, we continue to really excel at getting good at them, at our communication. And then you know there are differences too. We do get new challenges thrown our way, and you also have different mixes of people either being on the EV side or the extravehicular outside, uh, you know, crew versus the people helping drive that crew from the inside, what we call our IV or basically our local mission control. Uh, that's the person that's going to help the, the the extravehicular people really accomplish their goals because you need, you know, instructions and things read out to you over the over the radio, you're not going to be able to take those things out onto the landscape with you. So I really love the way the team has continued to coalesce around a really um, efficient and, you know, a a manner of getting our work done. And I think that that continues to be a highlight, um, even if we're doing things over again. So holidays and also sort of, you know, the specialness of the crew solidifying into, you know, a five, six month process of doing our work has been really great. Um, Along with uh, the things that we do for our work here in the Habitat, we all brought in a certain amount of or we all had ideas about what we wanted to do with our downtime because we do have downtime. Now, the crew does some activities together. We watch a, a series of shows together or we might pick a goal like, you know, watching X you know, a a series, like, you know, some series that that we want to watch together. and and, But on on the flip side, you also have some individual time. And for me, that involves a lot of reading and a lot of crafting. And so um, I've finished up a diamond painting of Mars, which I was doing for my partner and was able to actually send him a picture of that for Christmas. Um, And I've also finished several embroideries, including... Um, one of uh, that was taken from, if, that I made for the crew and, and gifted to them on Thanksgiving uh, evening um, when we were having our dinner. I think the crew was, was impressed with my skills and in embroidery, and we got a good laugh out of that. So I continue to think about things that I want to, um, to design and, and try to actually put into effect through some of the crafting that I do. Um, a- along with other aspects of it, and, and also digging deeper into reading new and interesting books as well. So that's been a real pleasure on the sort of individual side. Um, we also have a set amount of exercise that we do on this mission, as you might expect, um, if you uh, have followed space exploration. So as an example, on the Uh, ISS, They have a prescription for exercise daily. It actually has a tremendous amount of exercise to make sure that they stay um, physiologically healthy because they're in a null gravity and so forth. And so um, in in a similar fashion, even though we are in the HAB, um, we have both of our extracurricular activities, which are pretty physically intense. Um, along with mentally challenging, but we also have a set amount of exercise that we do um, inside the habitat on a set number of exercise pieces of equipment, and that's actually been a really great experience for multiple reasons. So I love exercising. I'm an ultra runner by uh, in my spare time and in my normal life back on Earth, and uh, I love being on the trails. Um, so I do actually do a lot of outdoor activities, but. This was a real opportunity to get to know some different, um, activities and, and utilize exercise equipment in a different way. Um, but it's also a really amazing opportunity to interface with the exercise experts that are driving this part of the experiment. And I just wanted to sort of give them a shout out and say how, how awesome that experience has been because not only are we th- you know, really able to engage with the exercises that we're given and really give it your all each day. But we're able to engage with them and communicate with them back and forth. Now we don't communicate with them in real time because we have you know uh, time delays, so it's pretty much all written. And so that ability to have the back and forth to make it the best possible exercise regime for an individual within the mission has been really great. And they're really encouraging. And it's just been such a pleasure to work with them. So the exercise has actually been really, really uh, fun and great. And even though, you know, you we exercise six out of the seven days of the week, and then we have Sundays off. But um, you might think that, you know, some days you might not want to actually exercise. But actually, um, given that you know, that's what you get for the day, and it is one of your goals, I find that I actually want to do my best. And even when you wake up and you think, oh, maybe today, I just really don't want to exercise. By the time you actually get to that that time point, and you're starting to engage in it, I feel like pretty much every day is a very rare day that I I don't come out of it feeling really enlivened and and energized. So it's been actually really great. And and as I mentioned, I think that that's what you would expect um, from a mission to Mars, either in the traveling to Mars, or even when you're on the planet, you're in a different environment, you're of different uh, environmental conditions, atmosphere, etc. Um, and, and those things are going to need to be dealt with through exercise to keep you strong and healthy both um, physically but also emotionally because as I just mentioned it can really actually enliven you and make you feel better for the day if you actually get a good workout in and feel like you've you know really sort of uh, made yourself feel good so I think that those have been really, really great in that it continues to be a source of enjoyment, but it's also pretty much what I would expect in a mission, a real mission where they were actually either on their way to or or uh, living on Mars. So I think that's really kind of a cool part of it. Uh, in the upcoming month, as we move into January, I think that the exciting part is that we will have hit our 50% point which is amazing. So we, we hit 50% on December 31st. And at that point, in some ways, in my mind, we're on the, the long, admittedly downhill. So we still have six months or more. But, but now we're really starting to make sure that we go through the next part, the second half of this mission, continuing to produce the top quality data that we've managed to hopefully do so far, and continuing to really, like, you know, as I said, grind away, um, face our new challenges and really just you know look forward to those those aspects of the mission that are that we don't know are going to come yet because certainly we're going to have new challenges come to us as well. So I think that again, repeating things, to the best of our ability, continuing to show that high caliber level of data production that we've hopefully been achieving so far. And then also any new challenges. I think that we have a lot to look forward to in that. So I think that this next month and beyond, you know, we also can really start to look forward to that, that, you know, emergence from the mission in six months time and seeing our families again. So that's a huge drive as well. So I think that there's just so much in January that's kind of, um, uh, energ- energizing and and enlivening for that, you know this, and and also in January we will hit our 200 day uh, milestone as well. So that will be another exciting milestone to have. So overall, um, I think we have a lot to look forward to, but we are also grateful that we've made it this far um, and that we are, you know, happy, healthy, and you know, moving through the mission uh, to the best of our abilities. And we always. I always want to finish by saying that we appreciate so much the support of everyone outside, both on the mission side, but also um, for me personally from my family and my partner. Without them, I, you know, it's just impossible to even think about, uh, you know, doing something like this. You really need the support of everyone in your life, and so it's greatly appreciated. As is everyone's interest in our progress.
0: All right, that was Commander Kelly Haston kicking us off uh, off to a fantastic start. You know what I appreciated about. Um, her audio log for this month was all the positivity, looking backwards as well as forwards. She talked about reflecting on the past six months and getting into a really good stride with all of the different activities and, of course, setting a really good tone for the next six months. Now, at this point, they're halfway through their mission, so this is a fantastic milestone for them. And, of course, they got to enjoy the holidays. Can't wait to hear about some of the traditions uh, in more detail. It seems like they did a lot with ornaments and uh, and, and quite a number of different uh, traditions that were brought in uh, either by themselves, but then also from Nathan's family and looking forward to hear uh, some of the traditions that he brought from his own experiences to the crew. Seems uh, you know. In addition to just getting into a stride, and and Kelly talked about repetitive tasks, uh, they got to they continuously enjoy things that uh, boost their creativity. I find that uh, quite interesting. The painting of the Mars, of course, the crafts that uh, Kelly has been doing with her partner, uh, experiencing books. um, So it's uh, there's always this level of creativity and something to look forward to. Uh, So it's good to hear. Okay, we're going to be talking about exercise later in this episode. I, I can certainly relate to that exercise, right? Now we're uh, past uh, that New Year's resolution um, uh, at the time that uh, we're recording this. Uh, but, you know, w- you go into a workout, you don't necessarily want to want to do it, but at the back end of it, you always feel uh, energized and enlightened. I love those, uh, those uh, phrases that Kelly shared with us. Uh, so it was really great to hear about Kelly Haston's experience. So next, we'll hear from Chapia Mission Flight Engineer, Ross Brockwell.
1: Hello, this is Ross Brockwell, Uh, again, I'm the flight engineer for Chipia Mission 1, answering some more questions from Houston, we have a podcast. How is everything going? It's still going great, Um, time's really flying, Um, I'm actually recording this in early 2024, uh, which is wild, so it's going by pretty quickly it seems. We've actually been talking recently about how we kind of are starting to feel like you know we'll be nostalgic for this when it's over. Um, Tell us about some of the highlights of the activities of the last months. Uh, We've had a few new challenges in EVAs, which were really cool. Uh, Some new things we had to build and sort out, repair, etc. The crop harvests were really, really amazing. They were great really enjoyable, a lot of fun, really interesting. And we had Christmas and New Year's. And the next question is, what do we do for holidays this month? Uh, We managed to have a pretty good time with both of those actually, um, put together some pretty impressive decorations, which I can't take too much credit for, but um, the crew did a really good job. They brought a Christmas tree in, it was really cool, we put it up came out great. Um, he made some ornaments to represent all, to try to represent all the um, groups that helped us, you know, prepare this mission and are participating in the study. It was really neat, did a really good job with them. Um, we had a bunch of gifts to exchange. We, some people brought some things in in anticipation of it, but we, we got pretty creative with the resources we had and managed to put together some gifts for each other. And we also had the things our friends and families were allowed to send in uh, for us to have around Christmas. Um, Yeah, they were great. Um, New Year's was the midpoint of the mission, so that was kind of a a special celebration. And the next question for me is, have I started guitar lessons with Nate? And do we have a band name yet for the quote-unquote best band on Mars? So... Maybe you just gave it to us. That's a pretty good band name. Um, we are the best and worst band on Mars. Um, I don't know what I bring to the table. Nate's a pretty good guitarist and Uncle can sing. Kelly's got a ukulele. I may have to uh, get creative. Maybe I can 3D print some a tambourine or some bongos or cowbell. Um, but technically, to answer your question, yes, he gave me an intro lesson, um, kind of showed me the basics of guitar tablature, how it works, which I've been meaning to do for a long time. Um, I have a handful of other things I've been working on on my own, so I haven't really pressed Nate too much to um, carve out some time for lessons yet. But uh, he showed me that, uh, opened the door, and it's there still, so I think you know we'll find some time to mess around. Um, He gave me a song, he told me to learn, and he didn't tell me what it was. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Hopefully I can figure it out. Um, Provide my perspective on exercise for this mission. How does it relate to your expectation of Mars in general? So exercise is obviously a big critical part of this study. Um, So it's going to be a little bit different, obviously, than the real mission, where, you know, they're studying effects of some of these things on our Physiology, So we are, you know, trying to maintain a certain level of fitness. Um, I imagine it would be technically different for a crew doing all this in one third gravity for real. Um, but exercise is, is, is great. It's a big part of this, but it's also something we enjoy, um, you know with the confinement we really appreciate the chance to exercise um and you know it just does kind of help us putting you know, putting ourselves on mars is is a big part of this um really helps with it uh some thoughts on the confinement in that regard or you know mentally being on mars makes this all worth it makes it all really exciting makes this cozy and homey and and being able to exercise regularly uh, is a big part of just generally feeling good while we're in here um what's coming up in the next month and what am i looking forward to in 2024 so next month there are some milestone dates coming up uh, some more of the day 200 coming up there's the two-thirds things like that i looking forward to i'm really looking forward to seeing what the next evas bring um, and I'm looking forward to being back on Earth too, but like I said, we are already kind of feeling, and you know, we know this is special for us, and it's a lot of fun, really interesting and enjoyable, and so we're looking forward to being home, but we're also going to miss it, and we're going to miss each other. Um, but I'm looking forward to a lot of the books I brought in, I still haven't read, and have, um, uh, Rubik's Cube Kelly gave me for Christmas, so I'm looking forward to Finally solving one of those, I've always wanted to. Um, More shows and movies we've got on our list, which is a lot of fun, watching those together and commenting on them together is a lot of fun. Um, Made some progress on my cabin design, which is uh, exciting for me and a lot of fun. Speaking of in-situ resource utilization, um, designing a cabin, hopefully out of, you know, building it out of everything that's there where I'm building it, so it's been fun. Um, and how could I not say that I'm looking forward to more questions from Houston we have a podcast so thanks and uh, happy new year and we'll talk to you again
0: next month All right. Again, that was Ross Brockwell, flight engineer for Chapia one. Um, it was wonderful to hear Ross's experience as well. There seems to be a consistent theme between he and Kelly with the pride in their decorations, the ornaments, uh, that they had and and 3d printed. They, uh, there's a certain amount of pride in, in doing those, uh, with the crew and doing them together. Um, that I think uh, adds to their appreciation of the holidays, each other, and and the mission. Uh, they both express gratitude for, for, uh, the folks that surround them, uh, both inside and, and outside. Uh, the habitat. Uh, when mentioned about the gifts for each other, you know, I think we we sort of take this for granted ahead of the holidays. We start thinking about the gifts that we want to give to each other, and then we go out to the store and get them. For a mission to Mars, these uh, gifts have to be planned well in advance, uh, and not just the Christmas gifts, not just the holiday gifts and on and, and these different moments, but you have to basically plan things uh, for the duration of your mission Um not only gifts to exchange and and items, but just things to look forward to and moments uh, to appreciate uh, throughout the mission. Uh, and I think that's part of of maintaining that positive attitude that we're seeing amongst the crew is they constantly are looking forward to crew and constantly finding chances to uh, celebrate uh, with each other. And it's certainly good to hear uh, from the crew. We're going to hear with some exercise experts coming up here, uh, but I did want to mention that uh, Ross mentioned uh, not only is exercise so important to the crew's health physiologically, and there's a, there is a, a need to exercise when on a space mission. We see it all the time with the International Space Station, but it was interesting to hear Ross's uh, perspective of having appreciating the chance to exercise. Uh, I thought that was interesting because not only is exercise something that is that needs to be done, um, but it seems like it's something to look forward to, almost a break. Uh, not only is it physiologically important, but uh, it can certainly be something that uh, can be appreciated and really help uh, the crew th- um, to maintain their positivity that we're seeing uh, throughout this mission. So with that, let's take a break. Uh, And before we get to those uh, next two crew members, Nathan and Anka, we're going to go over to speak with some exercise uh, experts uh, for Chapia, Peter Schneider and Alyssa Varanowski. Here we go. Peter and Alyssa, thanks so much for coming on Houston We Have a
2: Podcast. Hey, thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, we really appreciate you reaching out. We're happy to be here. Yeah, you guys are doing some really interesting stuff with Chapia. But of course, um, this is not your only role, right? You got pulled in because you guys have uh, some jobs and duties as assigned uh, outside of Chapia. And I wanted to start by diving a little bit deeper into that. Peter, why don't we start with you? Human Performance Integrator, what led you to joining the Chapia team and doing some research there?
2: Yeah, so my overall background is in kinesiology and biomedical sciences. Uh, I'm actually a subcontractor with Leidos. Um, But I started working around JSC about five years ago, working for the HERA analog, which is Human Exploration Research Analog, and ROI, which is Research Operations and Integration, um, supporting science and payloads with both of those efforts. Uh, But then I actually started working for Artemis Medical Operations at the Crew Health Integrator, uh, where I'm also training to be an Artemis uh, BME flight controller. And then through that role, I got a lot more insight into exercise countermeasures and integration and operations and what it takes to implement exercise in space. So I started working in the exercise portion of H3PO, uh, which stands for the uh, Human Physiology Performance Protections and Operations Laboratory. Mm -hmm. That's why we call ourselves H3PO. It's a a mouthful. A lot easier, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So that has more than one tech area. We're the exercise tech area. Uh, We also go by EPC, Exercise Physiology and Countermeasures. But there's also Space suits Exploration Operations, also known as SSEO. I think you talked to Patrick a step already. Yeah. Yeah, that's where he's from. Yeah. Um, there's also Applied Injury Biomechanics and Data and Software. So it's very much a multidisciplinary team full of engineers and scientists. Mm-hmm. And uh, we support a lot of different things um, research, operations, and a lot of integration. Uh, like one of my specific roles outside of Chapia is actually being an interface between all the exercise subject matter experts and all the different programs that are working on implementing exercise. For example, like there's Gateway, there's Orion, there's all these different programs and vehicles that are starting up. And so I integrate the expectations and requirements that are set by the exercise me's and just talk with the different programs to ensure that those requirements are being met and being a good steward for crew health because um, that's why those requirements are there in the first place. Okay,
0: you're right. you're right. the middleman. Yeah, yeah, you have to think about what, what, are the, what exercise is needed to maintain crew, uh, crew health and then just reach out. Hey, Gateway, make sure you're doing this. Hey, Ryan, make sure you're doing this. Hey, Mars, make sure you're doing this. Or is it the other way around?
2: I mean, we'll get there. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's good though. Yeah. I mean, uh, kinesiology though, what made you pursue that?
2: Uh, That's interesting. Um, I really enjoy sports growing up. That was really my main thing that I always did, so I just wanted to learn more about the physiology that goes behind that. Mm. Um, At the time, I also really wanted to be a physical therapist, and that's a very typical track to go towards that. Um, I didn't know about human-centric jobs at NASA at the time, Um, and as I was just pursuing my education, I was also interested in biomedical science, so I, I went and got my master's in that, and then I randomly came across someone that was just kind of going around recruiting uh, this group at NASA called Research Operations and Integration because they needed experiment support scientists. And that's how I found out that there's this whole human health and performance realm within NASA here at JSC. Um, so that really p- piqued my interest. Um, growing up, I've always loved space and I but my background was in science and I didn't know how to exactly get there. So it was really lucky that I met that individual and was able to be brought on because ever since I joined, I've learned a whole lot and definitely my interest is definitely pinpointed into very specific things that I want to continue to pursue.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah, awesome to have you, Peter. This is fantastic. Yeah, yeah glad to have you on. I can't wait to learn more about your too. Alyssa, your journey, you're a human performance scientist.
4: Yes, I am. So while Peter's on more of the integration side, I'm more, of, uh, more on the science side. Mm-hmm. Uh, science is my passion and it's really something I've been interested in my entire life. Um, I started working on the Chapea project the first day I started, uh, oh. which was kind of, uh, yeah, I started about two years ago now, and um, Peter reached out to me, and he was like, hey, uh, we're working on this project, this analog, it's a really big project, um, can you help me with the prescriptions? And I was like, I don't have no idea what this means, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> what's and so it was what's kind of, yeah, yeah, I was kind of being thrown into the fire, but right. it's been an exciting fire, and uh, it's been really, really interesting to, to help, out, help out on this entire time. Um, Prior to my time at NASA, I worked with uh, the U.S. Army Research Institute of Environmental Medicine in the military nutrition division. And there I um, primarily examined pharmacological and nutritional interventions to help sustain warfighter health performance and resiliency during strenuous operations. So it was a really good transition moving from there to NASA, where you have a very similar um, clientele in the fact that we're not dealing with soldiers, we're dealing with astronauts, but they're both trying to perform at high levels in very austere environments and mm-hmm. very unique environments. So it was a really good transition, really easy transition um, for me. And I, I feel like I, I was able to uh, translate a lot of what I did with the Army to my current role here. Um, but as I was saying, yeah, most of my roles are, involve, are involved more of the the research side of of things. We do a lot of operational tasks as well, and a lot of our research does apply to operations. So we are trying to answer specific research questions regarding the efficacy of certain exercise devices, prescriptions, adjunct countermeasures, um, how uh, we can change the prescriptions in flight, um, certain modifiable and non-modifiable factors that can contribute to uh, deconditioning during flight, um, and we're all we're all trying to get to the answer of what's the most effective way that we can maintain performance. Um, when crew members go on these long duration spaceflight missions.
0: So I guess you're saying we because you're involved in a group that's touching more than just Shapia. Have you been involved with just Shapia or are you kind of dabbling in other areas as well?
4: So yeah, the whole EPC group is is spread throughout very, uh, a lot of different areas. So yeah. we're, we're not, we're working on, Peter works uh, a lot of integrated roles, but a lot of us on the EPC team work on different research projects as okay. well. Um, but not only research, we, we work largely with operations. So being able to, like I was saying, translate our research into what can be used in flight. So we work uh, hand in hand with the astronaut strength and conditioning and rehabilitation specialists or the ACERs. Um, And a lot of what we find in our data that we collect on the crew members can be used uh, to change exercise prescriptions and change uh, the norm of what crew members would be doing in flight to help prevent those declines in physical performance. So it's really operational what we do. Um, but I personally like the the research aspect, but it's really cool to see the research being translated into operations.
0: Yeah, you probably see you know all of that and how that works ex- exactly from the research side, and then actually gets implemented in flight. But of course, there are those differences, right? You talk about in flight, we're astronauts in low Earth orbit, and what we're talking, what we're about to talk about, Chapia is collecting data that may help us understand more of Mars, and there may be some similarities, but that's what you guys are focused on is finding
4: mm-hmm. those. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. There's there. are some similarities. There are a ton of differences um, when it comes to exercise prescriptions, when it comes to exercise devices that are currently planned for exploration missions to uh, the lunar surface, as well as what we conceptually have for potential Mars missions in the future. Um, So there's definitely a lot of gaps and a lot of learning that we have to do. But um, the ISS is a great tool for us and Chapi is a great tool for us to Get a better understanding of what we're going to need for exercise devices on those future missions perfect
0: yeah let's get into some of those similarities and differences but first peter i think one thing Melissa mentioned is you pulled her in so mm-hmm. you were involved with the project a little earlier can you talk about when you got pulled in and say hey peter can you help us with uh, the exercise component of this?
2: yeah i got pulled in like six months before or something like that um chapia has been a project in mine uh especially with grace obviously because she's one spearheading it all for yeah. a while before i even joined the lab um, but there was originally an exercise piece always planned to be part of it. Um, but, uh, no one had quite picked up that word quite yet, but it was always there. Um, and I joined the lab and they knew that I had experience working in HERA, the human exploration research analog. It's similar to Topia, uh, that it is like a research ground-based analog that we have to kind of learn about all these soft aspects around operations that aren't necessarily seen in requirements, but, uh, I worked there for quite a while. And so that experience allowed me to translate a lot of, I guess what we have from the Exercise Me's to get it implementable within Shapia because I knew what kind of constraints uh, and what type of products needed to be developed to make it successful. Um, For example, like procedures, Mm -hmm. uh, just-in-time training videos. uh, We had to make a lot of these things ourselves. So like when we say we're doing operations, like there's a whole, entity called fod that does a lot of these things for international space station and other programs um, that we can work with to create procedures and training materials and stuff like that but our little exercise subject matter team uh for chapia kind of had to do all that ourselves Uh, so that's it's a lot of work um, but i knew what it took to do that and so i think that's part of kind of how i got roped into I roped in I, I really it sounds like I didn't have a choice. <laughs> I, I wanted to work on Shapira because I mean it's super exciting to work on mars centric uh research, um but I th- feel like I had the uh integrated skill set to uh make make it successful
0: is it is are the training videos more like here's how here's how this works here's how you do an exercise or like here's how you fix the equipment what was your
2: Oh, that's, I mean, we do both of those. Both of uh, some oh, okay. of them kind of where it's like high-level overview. Here's how to do some certain exercises. Yeah. Uh, one specific case, like if a resistance device breaks and you can't use it, we had to make a operational product that kind of accurately described to them how to complete some uh, load-bearing exercises just with your body weight uh, as like a contingency in, until the primary device is back online. So that's one example. Uh, and then there's some maintenance activities. Uh, for example, our bike has... Uh, power meters in the pedals. So uh, we need to replace those batteries every once in a while. Hmm. So that's an example of a maintenance task that we have
0: yeah, to do. Yeah, standard maintenance. Okay. So mm-hmm. Aly- Alyssa, when did you get pulled in when Peter came to you and said, hey, I, I need some help. It's just he- me and a couple other people trying to put this together. What, what did you start doing? Yeah,
4: you- pretty much. Um It was a very unique opportunity because, um, I was actually working remote at the time. So yeah, yeah, there was COVID was still going on. (laughs) So, um, I was like pulled into this project and I hadn't seen the habitat, had no idea really what was going on. And it was kind of like make a prescription, make a, make adjustments to the prescription based off of these exercise devices that you're, you don't really know much about. And I still didn't have a really good idea of what the project, um, in, what the intentions of the projects were as a whole. So it was a, a huge learning experience for me. Um, and then once I finally came here on site, I was like, oh, okay, I understand the magnitude of this. I understand, like, the impact at, uh, on which, like, all of these exercise systems will have on the crew mm-hmm. and the importance of the, how uh, how the exercise prescriptions would affect every other aspect of the of study. Um, so the exercise selections, the devices that we're using in the habitat um, were chosen specifically because they represent concepts that probably will be capable or probably will be available on future exploration missions. Mm. Um, so importantly, they were selected because they are gravity independent devices. So I know Peter was saying that there uh, there are dumbbells in other analog habitats, but we don't have those in the Trapiya habitat because on Mars and on the moon, on ISS, we really can't send dumbbells up because things weigh a lot less. So we had to be creative in trying to select exercise devices that would replicate the concepts and the capabilities that we might see on exploration missions. Hmm. So the devices that we currently have in the habitat are not the ones that are going to be sent up to to the moon and Mars, but they, they have the capabilities that you would expect on Mars mission. So we have a a cycle ergometer, just a regular stationary bike that you would find in like a gym. Um, We also have a rowing ergometer, again, just like a rower that you would find in a gym. And then we have a resistance exercise device that pretty much works through motors and cables. And you're able to do a bunch of different exercises on this device, Um, single joint, -joint, multi-joint, unilateral, bilateral exercises. So it's a really unique complement of exercise devices, um, which is different than what they use in other other analogs.
2: Yeah, Another reason we went with those is because of autonomy. Uh, Mars is very far away, and it's really hard for people on the ground to operationally support them. Uh, So we need to see if there's a system that can be made to allow them to follow a prescription and adhere to it well uh, on their own uh, without us being in the room Mm. or without their astronaut strength and rehabilitation specialist. We also call them acers. I think you already mentioned them, but they're like this they're like the strength coaches for the astronauts. Um, They are not going to have as uh, frequent calm with the crew on Mars. So we really needed to have a system that can help guide them and provide visuals uh, to them uh, while they're exercising. So like the bike that she mentioned, yeah, it's a regular stationary bike, but it is a smart bike. Uh, It does connect to an iPad and we can have an app running on the iPad that guides them through their exercise protocol and we can use it for uh, testing as well. Um, And then the rower has an app that guides them along. Like you can chase a boat on there, for example. Uh, to kind of, it's like going up and down, kind of like Flappy Bird. So you can like <laughs> add more wattage to it to get it up and down. Um, and then uh, like the resistance device also has a really nice visual that guides them through each exercise. So you can watch someone in the app, kind of like complete the exercise and kind of mimic them to like make sure you're doing it properly. Um, and it guides you through your sets and counts them for you. And we collect all of our data through those means as well. So it's been a really nice, I guess, test run to see uh, how a crew can adhere to a protocol that's completely on their own.
0: Yeah, this is this is pretty important. Not only you guys are thinking about what exercise is necessary, and it sounds like a good combination of resistive and aerobic mm-hmm. on three different machines, um, three different machines, but you also have to make sure there's that communication component that is critical because they did insert the communication delays pretty heavily into chipia so they have to rely on those videos that you're talking about yes so did you Alyssa? were were you the one like um when when peter pulled you in did you say all right here's what their exercise looked like and you actually designed routines for them
4: so Kind of, kind of. Okay. Um, yeah. So we, so Peter and Brian, one of the other members of the EPC team, um, they actually really put in the hard work in selecting these exercise devices that were going to be representative of okay. what what we might see on future missions. Um, but the job for Myself, as well as some other members of the team was how do we create exercise prescriptions that, are, that might mimic what we might see on future exploration missions within the time and frequency requirements that are expected in future missions? And by that, I mean, we want to make sure that we are adequately mirroring the total amount of time that a crew member might spend doing exercise per day um, with these devices. So we don't know exactly what those requirements look like just yet, but we do know that, you know, going up to space, uh, being in microgravity environment for a prolonged period of time is going to result in a lot of deconditioning to the body across multiple physiological systems. And um, when you're on Earth, when you're in a 1G environment, um we don't really have that deconditioning that you would see in space. And so these prescriptions had to be designed in a very particular way to try to mimic the physiological response that you would expect on Mars. Mm-hmm. So they're designed very uniquely to give the most accurate representation of what you mu- what we might expect for crew members on Mars so that um, the other disciplines integrated in Topia um Will be able to examine their measures in a particular way.
0: Okay, um, I think I know what you're getting at because we're on Earth, so uh, you, you're instead of getting you to a, uh, you know, here's how you get to that performance in one G. You're sort of designing something. Well, what if we had to take that down to a third G? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I interpreting that right? Yeah, okay. it's like
4: it, it's it's an interesting question because we're trying to mimic the outcome. So how uh, can we maintain performance? Um, because ultimately for, um, astronauts that are in space, the main goal of uh, participating in any exercise training is to try to maintain performance. Mm -hmm. Usually what we see with most crew members on the ISS is that they come back in a deconditioned state. Mm -hmm. Um, even though we have this suite of exercise countermeasures on the ISS, right now we have a treadmill, we have a cycle ergometer, and we have a resistance exercise device, um, which, you know, this has been years, decades of, of research to, in order to, to get to this point, the advances in technology um, and things like that. We started off with pretty much no exercise on any spaceflight mission, and then uh, those crews were coming back extremely deconditioned, even though they were only up there for a relatively short amount of time. But, yeah, advances in technology and... Um, the importance of exercise kind of finally came to light. And uh, Mm. as these advances came, we started to realize that crew members were doing better. They were coming back in a less deconditioned state. Mm. Um, Things aren't perfect, like I was saying, most crew members still come back relatively uh, deconditioned from their pre-flight performance capabilities, but we're getting better. Um, and so, our goal on ISS is to try to maintain that pre flight performance. Mm. So, how can we mitigate the declines that we typically see uh, as a result of spaceflight? So, for Chapia, that's kind of what we wanted to do. We wanted to design these prescriptions to kind of simulate a best case scenario for what we might see on Mars, in that, we want uh, the crew members to try their best to, or the design that we wanted to design the prescriptions so that crew members might maintain their performance over the course of the the year
0: okay and so you had to work with what Peter and and his group um, prescribed to you, which was, here's the three exercise machines, please come up with, you call them prescriptions, but I guess I'm thinking about translating prescriptions into like an exercise regime. Is yep, that? That's okay. exactly what it is. Okay. Yeah. When
4: we talk about exercise prescriptions, that's, yep. it's just a training regimen, yeah. a training program. And so that's what we had to do right at the beginning of the mission. We had to essentially create a year long training regime for <laughs> all of these crew members, um, before even knowing who they were coming in. And so these had to be designed with the mission parameters in mind. Mm. Like, um, you have a certain amount of time to do aerobic exercise. You have a certain amount of time to do resistance exercise. What can you do with that time, um, in order to try to maintain performance? But how are we going to make that fit to any, potentially anyone that could come in Chapia? So, of course, everyone comes in with different training statuses um, pre-mission. But for our uh, mission objectives from an exercise perspective, we needed to kind of make a one-size-fits-all type of prescription. Mm. So how can we apply this prescription to the most fit people and also the least fit people within those mission parameters and the exercise time and frequency constraints that we might see on Mars missions?
0: Okay. Okay. There it is, yeah. And so, so you have sort of a a template, if you will, for what an exercise a year uh, looks like of of exercising on Mars. And Peter, you're you're using the the three machines as as we described the. Uh, it's uh, it sounds like a stationary bike, a rowing machine, and some sort of resistive thing. So it's that it's that healthy balance of resistive and aerobic mm-hmm. uh, that you guys, um, which is very similar to what you you mentioned, Alyssa, the the ISS different machines, which is sort of the same in the sense that it's a mix of aerobic and resistive. But really, that's ultimately what what you guys chose to to pick are the three machines.
2: Yeah, I mean, with the devices and even the protocol that she was talking us through, uh, there's a lot of constraints that we have to consider. Uh-huh. Uh, like she mentioned, the time. There's a reason why our time is constrained. Um, yeah. If you look at ISS, uh, crew time is a very hot commodity. Everybody really wants the crew to work on their payload or work on implementing this operational thing for them. Um, and there's a lot of groups, but there's only so many crew members. So same thing is going to apply on Mars. And we have very important Mars objectives that we want to complete that are a lot of them are only able to be done through EVAs or spacewalks, or we can call them Mars walks. Right. Um, and so exercise is there to help prepare them and be fit to, to accomplish those tasks. But at the same time, we gotta allow time for them to go out and do those things. So we have to, you know, play fair and understand that we have constraints to live in, but we're trying to maximize what we can do with those constraints because it is important for crew health and their performance.
0: I see, okay. Otherwise, yeah, you'd be working them out as much as you want it to, right? But how much is, how much is reasonable for a, a crew on Mars?
4: Yeah. So it's a good question. Um, so we're lucky and we're fortunate enough to, um, a lot of people, at least in the exercise world, really like to work out. Um, and so that's something that, you know, we see of a lot of people in our studies that, you know, volunteer for exercise studies that they, they really enjoy working out and they want to work out more. Um, But it's interesting because there's a balance between exercise and other consumables that might be used in uh, real space missions as well as analog missions. And by that I mean um, the more you exercise, the more water you require because you're sweating a lot more. The more food you might require because you're expending a lot more energy doing that exercise. Um, If we're talking about a, like... A vehicle like the ISS or an anal- like a habitat, a habitat or something like that. There's only so much oxygen that the environmental system can provide, and if we're working out a lot more and we're producing a lot more carbon dioxide and util- utilizing a lot more oxygen, that might uh, tax the environmental system so much that it's unable to provide those um, those different consumables. So there's a there's a trade-off between. Exercise and consumables, and while we would love to say, yeah, exercise all day, like, it's going to be great for your health and performance, there's also a lot of other factors that we need to consider across multiple different disciplines.
0: Yeah, so, because, yeah, I would think it was mostly a time thing, but you mentioned there's—it gets— a little more complicated than mm-hmm. that there's the consumables aspect of course you know the calories if if you're burning a bunch of calories and you need twice as much food that's huge right we don't exactly. have that much you already mentioned the weight constraints of the of the exercise devices themselves mm-hmm. if you had to add a bunch of food onto that that's a lot to consider so there's
2: also power for those devices power, um, yeah. and we, we maybe want them to work if power goes out so we need to maybe think about those things um And also those devices also have heat themselves. Mm. So those can create heat. The human body creates heat. The the, the environmental system has to handle all of those things. So it's very complicated.
0: So uh, when you took all of these different constraints that you were given, when you worked on the the different um, exercise uh, prescriptions and you have the devices and you put all these things together, um, what to you, I guess, what to you and your group is success in terms of Gathering data, right? You put you put forward. You you did a bunch of hard work to put together the videos and to and to get as as good of an exercise prescription as you possibly could think. What is success in terms of measuring exercise for trippia?
4: Yeah. So we in uh, in addition to the exercise program that the crew members are are going through, we also conduct. Um, or at least they conduct on themselves, these exercise performance tests at specific intervals throughout the study. Um, And so we designed these exercise performance tests to test all different types of physiological systems. So we're testing things like strength, power, aerobic capacity, anaerobic capacity. And this gives gives us an idea of um, their physical performance at that moment in time. So we're able to see as the mission goes along whether or not our exercise prescriptions are working in terms of maintaining their performance. Um, and, and this is a really important uh, and integral part of of the Trapia mission because not only are we understanding if the exercise performance or sorry, if the exercise prescriptions are working, but we're also understanding the other factors that might contribute to their exercise performance. So for example, how does the food system contribute to their performance? So if, if there are alterations in um, what they're able to consume, like crops, if new crops are introduced, um, how does that affect uh, physiological performance health and performance as a whole? So Um, my measure, my personal measure of success would be, does, are we able to do what we intended to do? Um, are we able to do so successfully with minimal disruptions to the exercise equipment? Um, are they able to adhere to the protocol? Um, making sure that, you know, any time that they try to communicate with us that we're responsive and understanding their um, potential concerns. So we're able to communicate with the crew, of course, on a time delay. Um, and so getting them to be able to adhere and stick to that exercise training program is is really the, the key outcome.
2: Yeah, and that's the very exercise centric answer. Uh, <laughs> there's also a big picture answer, which is, is exercise an important piece of the overall Chapia or MARS mission puzzle? Uh, we definitely think it is, but we want to make sure that it is supporting the overall mission. So as we do this integrative CHAPIA effort, uh, we're trying to see that, oh, EVA was completely successful, but we had a good exercise system that was used the whole time. So, I mean, that's something to consider. Uh, success to me is that exercise is indeed an intervention or what we call a countermeasure and is functioning appropriately as though to uh, support the overall mission.
0: So this leads perfectly into my next question because, Peter, wh- how you phrased that answer is how I like to end the conversation with some of the special guests we've been having on this Chapia um, uh, series is thinking about the holistic view because um, Chapia, as you mentioned, Peter, is is – Holistic, from the sense that there are so many different disciplines, and I like that when you're talking about uh, the exercise, one of the things that you're considering as a measure of success and goals is how this fits into the broader picture, which is I think something that's kind of unique to Chipia. Um And so I wonder, Peter, I'll start with you from your perspective when it comes to putting together, you know, a better understanding and figuring out what you know what Alyssa was saying. Just what is the right mix of exercise for a Mars mission? What is what is the right prescription for Mars cruise? Um, why is a mission like Chapia? why is an analog like Chapia so important?
2: Well, we don't actually know what the right prescription is yet. Uh, we don't know what the right devices are. Um, so that's exactly the questions we're trying to answer. Um, there's a lot of different considerations that we've already discussed that go into all of that. But um, I mean, that's, I think what you just described is kind of the end goal of what we're trying to do with GPI exercises. JAPIA as a whole is very complicated. It's, uh, it's got a lot of those EVAs that we talked about and they're, they're high tempo and they might be really hard to do compared to what we do on ISS. Um, and we need them to be prepared and fit to do that. So exercise just needs to be robust and understood. Um, and developed in a way that maximizes performance to enable all those other aspects of Mars operations, but also is efficient to the point that it is staying within all those limitations that are set by you know, having a feasible vehicle that's usable to, to get there, to have a habitat for us to live in um, and to, to come home in. Um, this is very complicated. And I think it's just important that we, we learn where those limits are and this is an important piece for us to, to know where those limits are so we can maximize our performance within them.
4: Yeah, and I just wanted to branch off of that. So as we look to the moon and Mars, um, a lot of the exercise devices that we see on the ISS right now are not going to be used in future missions. Mm. Um, and so we have to think about exercise in a little bit different of a way. Um, for missions to the moon, where we have this Orion vehicle with a very tight space, very limited on power, very limited on, on volume. Um, we're going from essentially this large suite of countermeasures that we have on the ISS with a treadmill, a bike, and a, a really robust um, resistance exercise device down to um, a sh- essentially a, a shoebox size exercise device that uh, incorporates both aerobic and resistive exercise. And so this is the the current countermeasure that's planned for nearby or or near-term Artemis missions. And so when we look towards surface operations on the moon and on Mars, we're trying to understand are these countermeasures that are planned for those missions, will those be sufficient for protecting performance? And so these are studies that we're currently working on in the lab is understanding the effectiveness of these other devices that are currently planned for those exploration missions. And if those will be sufficient to maintain things like functional performance on EBA tasks, will crew be able to perform emergency egresses if necessary? Um, will they be too tired to complete EVA tasks? Um, and what are the requirements for exercises on those on future missions? Um, importantly, the Chapia mission doesn't have a treadmill uh, mm-hmm. as part of the exercise component. Um, it does have a treadmill as part of the EVA component, um, mm. but there is a reason why there's not a treadmill as part of the the uh, exercise component, and that is because. Right now, on the uh, ISS, the treadmill is the biggest piece of exercise equipment. It requires the most power, it requires the most volume, and it requires um, the most space in terms of um, not only is it a big piece of equipment, but all of the devices, all the exercise devices on the ISS are also uh, attached to what we call a vibration, isolation, and stabilization system, or a VIS. Um, And those VIS pieces of equipment, they act as shock absorbers. So you can think of them as being like a spring. So one end would be attached to the actual exercise device and the other end would be attached to the wall of the vehicle. And the reason why we have those is because any of the forces that are imparted into the uh, exercise device, we don't want those going directly into the vehicle because that can cause structural damage and potentially uh hurt the lifespan or affect the lifespan of the vehicle. And so the treadmill of all of the three devices requires the largest vibration isolation system. And so when we look towards future missions where space is going to be an issue, where size... Um, and mass is going to be an issue, the treadmill is the largest component. It's the, the heaviest, the most costly in terms of power and in, ter- in terms of size. And so we're actually in the process of doing several uh, studies in our lab evaluating whether or not a treadmill is going to be a necessary component of the exercise training regimen. And so Shapia really helps us out with that respect as well, because um we don't have a treadmill as part of the exercise training program in Chapia, And so understanding how their performance um, or, or how their health and performance, their integrated look at, you know, not only EVA tasks, but are they able to maintain physical fitness? Do they wish they had additional capabilities? So these are all questions that are going to be um, answered, hopefully in the Chapia mission. And we're really excited to, to get that feedback.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess another way to say it is the International Space Station astronauts, because they've been using the treadmill, mm-hmm. have they've we've been assuming a certain performance based on that kind of aerobic exactly. exercise. Now, what happens when you take away a treadmill and you're left with a rowing machine and a bike when it comes to aerobic exercise? The question is, is that fine?
4: Yep, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we might even, for, for early Artemis missions, we're even take going back a step. So we don't even have a bike on early Artemis missions. So it's just the the rowing. It goes into constraints.
2: So we're having to live within engineering constraints. And Artemis II, uh, specifically, uh, it's just Orion. It's a very small vehicle, very limited in Mm -hmm. the volume. Um, So they did pick a device that's very tiny. But it does a lot. Um, But it's essentially a modified flywheel. Uh, If you know what a flywheel is, it's an ISO inertial. It's available uh, commercial off the shelf. Um, But it essentially levies like a yo-yo. Type physics where you can pull on a device and the yo-yo will keep spinning and it'll pull back. Um, so, like if you pull way harder, it'll pull back harder. So that's that's the methodology that they're taking advantage of for that device. Okay. Um, so we had to get really creative in these small volumes, and so we're testing out the efficacy of that. Actually, that's one of our current projects: is doing some performance testing on that device uh, for Artemis II and for future Artemis missions. Um, but yeah, having to live within those constraints and making sure that the crew, their health and their performance, and all of that is still being met, even mm-hmm. though we're living with these constraints. Um, and Artemis two is a good showcase of just how many different things you can impart on uh, from a constraints perspective. And it's going to be interesting to see how much we can get out of it. Um, from a performance perspective.
0: Yeah, I can see the challenges that you guys have to undergo because that's, of course, a challenge. you got the engineering challenges. You have to go to a tiny volume. What's the solution there? And, of course, that builds, right? So you have, if, if you know, we do some research and figure out that that is not enough, perhaps there's some extra requirements and changes for, you know, what happens to Gateway? What happens to lunar surface operations over a long period of time? And, of course, trying to make that jump to what Shapia is way out, right? That year-long, mission on on Mars that where is that balance you guys have a have a difficult job ahead of you um, doing trying to measure all of that and find that right balance i was thinking peter when you were talking about the challenges of you know what is peak performance and what are the constraints that we have to live by Mm -hmm. the the analogy i kept coming up with was was goldilocks just the goldilocks zone of what is you have all these different constraints but you want to maximize the performance so you can exist you know peak performance The, the best scenario exists in this tiny little goldilocks zone and that's what you're trying to find
2: exactly yeah cool
0: you guys have a very interesting job and i I can't wait to i'm to to you know hear from the crew on their exercise um we sent them some questions on exercise see how that's been going and to hear from you on on everything that's been happening on board uh in chapia and all the work you had to do um to prepare for just that analog um super exciting stuff and You know, I was asking about success. I really hope that, uh, you know, everything that you've put in leads you to the success that you're looking for. So Peter and Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on Houstonville Podcast. This was awesome.
4: Yeah, thank you so much for having
0: us.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. It was great. All right. That was a great
4: conversation
0: with Peter and Alyssa. So let's go back to those audio logs. Only two more to go. Next is medical officer Nathan Jones.
5: Hello, I'm Nate Jones. I'm the crew medical officer of Chappia Mission One. Everything is still going really well, I don't have any concerns so far. The biggest highlights of the past month were definitely celebrating the holidays. We put up a Christmas tree as a crew and we were able to create some ornaments and decorations using things around the habitat. We also found some LED light strips in the habitat and put those on the tree as Christmas lights. And so that part of the mission felt a lot like being at home for me. The crew also brought in a large collection of music and videos. Uh, from our own personal collections at home, and so we were able to enjoy some holiday videos and music as a crew. We each brought in some gifts that uh, we had received from family and friends, and we brought a few to share amongst ourselves as well. And so on Christmas morning, we unwrapped those, and it felt a lot like being at home as well. I did miss out on Christmas morning with my family, but I did get some great video and photos from them enjoying their Christmas. Uh, The crew also saved up some of our favorite foods and we enjoyed those on Christmas, and so I ended up eating quite a bit as well, so it uh, felt quite a bit uh, like a usual Christmas would from that standpoint, overall I would say that the Christmas and holidays were quite a success for us. I previously mentioned that I really missed out on having some crunchy things to eat, so I sure wish we could grow some potato chips, but unfortunately those weren't included in our crops since they're not really possible. then again, I think if NASA decides to create that, create that sort of thing, it would go over really well in space and on Earth, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, having some of the crunchier crops really did help, and even the other non-crunchy fresh crops really were helpful, I thought, as well. I think just uh, because of the fact that they added some variety of the foods that we had. Um, I've enjoyed the crops so well that uh, while I plant a garden outside in my yard every year, I really think that uh, when I get back home, I'll uh, strongly consider putting a garden inside my house and having some crops in the winter to enjoy. Previously mentioned that uh, we have a, a pretty neat exercise program here. It was put together by the H3PO team at NASA, who are just awesome to work with. Uh, The team custom designed a fitness schedule for us like they would for a moon or Mars mission in the future. Uh, The exact equipment used on those missions uh, would probably change some, but I definitely get the idea for for the exercises they would be planning to do for those sort of missions uh, with it. And so it's really well thought out. The exercise is really there though to keep astronauts healthy and kind of maintain what they were whenever they were on Earth. Um, And you don't wanna have any injuries whenever you're 300 million kilometers away from the closest orthopedic surgeon. Um, But for me, uh, I'm just excited to get to exercise on Mars still. So it's been a great uh, program so far. In the next month, um, I'm looking forward to hitting some pretty big milestones. I think it helps me, especially when I know that I'm missing out on a holiday with my uh, uh, family and friends. We just passed the six month a few days ago, and uh, we'll be at the halfway point of our mission in just a couple of days from when I'm recording this. Then, about a week and a half after that, we hit the 200-day mission day mark. The best and the worst part of the mission so far has been how fast it's flown by. I... Uh, Know that uh, it's been a truly special year here so far, and so I'm really going to miss it, but I also can't wait to see my family and friends again. Thank you so much for your interest in our mission. I hope you have a great day.
0: All right, that was medical officer Nathan Jones. We were looking forward to hearing about some of the traditions that he brought from home, and we got to hear a couple of, of those ideas, the LED light strips, the videos, which, of course, Kelly mentioned as well. Some of those home traditions from Earth brought to, quote-unquote, Mars and shared with the crew, and it seems like most of the crew really enjoyed it, uh, really all of the crew, I think, um, a chance to just get together and share some of, and appreciate some of the holidays and make some of those uh, ornaments as well. Nathan not only got to experience that with the crew, but... But he also got to uh, contact with home, and that's very important. Uh, Remember, they're not doing any sort of uh, live conversations while they're in Chapia. Uh, They're simulating those uh, significant delays, which is part of the reason that we have these audio logs and are not having a chance to interview the crew. Uh, You just can't have a two-way conversation. So those contact with home has to be message to message, uh, but he's got to appreciate some of the holidays with the family by them taking a video and sharing with him. Uh, interesting to hear about, uh, Nathan still missing crunchy things, uh, bringing a lighthearted approach to, to those crops and those potato chip crops. I really hope NASA gets on that. Uh, but it is good to hear that there is positive feedback on the crops and that is introducing variety. One of those important things that I know, uh, that is part of CHAPIA. Uh, another feedback on the exercise, really excited to exercise, really good to hear that it's not just something that they need to do or have to do, but the crew is really appreciating the, the opportunity to do, to do so. Again, they're uh, about halfway through this mission at the time that I'm recording this, but they're recording it uh, both on the front and back end of that halfway point, which is at the end of December. Uh, But it's interesting to hear that they said it's going by fast. Um, I guess with all of the activities that they're doing, uh, they have long days, they have things that they're looking forward to, but even six months, they're talking about it zooming by, which is, uh, as Nathan described, uh, both a good thing and a bad thing. Um, They they definitely appreciate that. And we're hearing that a lot, that um, they're appreciating their time in the mission, but now now that we're in 2024 and looking forward to the end of the mission this summer, uh, they, they are definitely looking forward to seeing their family again and going, quote unquote, back on Earth. Uh, so we'll continue to follow them through these uh, audio logs for the rest of their mission. But uh, we have one more audio log to go, and that is from our science officer, Anka Solariu. Here we go.
6: Greetings, Earthlings. This is Anka Solariu, science officer of Chapia Mission 1. It is now January of 2024, and um, amazingly, we are in the second half of our mission. It has been a fantastic end of the year, and we've celebrated with a lot of presents. We've decorated um, and had excellent festivities, which included, of course, um, copious gift exchanges many um, puzzles and even hand-drawn ornaments on our uh, little tree. And of course, we had stockings, stocking stuffers, and um, uh, lots of good music, a lot of Christmas movies that we've managed to go through. And um, we certainly had a lot of fun in each other's company while also finishing up Um, the year uh, 2023's work for NASA. And we're really looking forward to the second half of the mission. And we're hoping to provide just as excellent of data sets as we have been so far. Indeed, we had crops over uh, the month of November and December, and I greatly enjoyed them. I even named one mint plant, Minty Nefario, because I really liked to overtake everybody else in its in its tray but um, we enjoyed absolutely every single one of them and I was reminded how amazing the smell of greenery is and how much uh, that really connects you with the earth with the soil with the uh, life on earth and um, it's it's one thing that I don't think that I will ever look upon the same way as I have before the mission started I really really have a deep appreciation for, um, plants for life in general on our unique planet. Of course, we also, um, continued our exercise and I pretty much love every single moment of it. I really enjoy exercising and it's, um, surprisingly, um, thorough the amount of exercise you can get with only three pieces of equipment that have a very small footprint. And um, the the exercise is really designed to maintain the strength and the level of fitness that we came up, came in to the mission with. What I'm looking forward in um, 2024 is really a successful end to this mission and um, providing space exploration with sufficient information um, or at least as much as as we can um, to get us closer and closer to the goal of having a a human being step on the surface of Mars and be really prepared for it and um, I'm really just every single moment that I spend here I realize how privileged I am to be here and um, as for what is coming up this next month, I think um, it's very interesting that January brings this perspective that we've completed half of the mission and it's opening a new world of possibilities and we're, we're all very excited to go on EVAs and, um, you know, do good science and data collection. And, of course, I um, look forward to seeing my friends again back on Earth. That's it for me for now, and I wish all of you a wonderful and happy and healthy New Year.
5: I used
0: to go of the space Roger, 0 G and I clear the, the Actually, a huge honor
1: to the like Not they are, easy, but they are hard. Never to.
0: Welcome to space. All right, that was Science Officer Anka Solariu. You know, between among all of the four crew members, one thing that I found uh particularly interesting is, so some of them recorded uh, before that halfway point, December 31st, and some of them after. And there seems to be a, something bringing forward that, something about 2024, something about passing that halfway point for those that recorded afterwards, uh, there is this reflection on uh, appreciating the the mission and looking forward to the mission, but uh, bringing up more prominently than in previous recordings looking towards that end point and kelly even mentioned this for her audio log earlier in this podcast but uh, now there's something about 2024 where all of them i think are going to be looking forward to uh returning to earth and it's certainly an interesting theme uh to pull um Anka talking about the uh, gift exchanges and festivities and appreciation there. Uh, I think it was something that was really important to the crew to have that, maintaining that positive energy. Uh, was very much looking forward to hearing what Anka was going to name those crops and minting Nefario. You can't really get better than that. Uh, I found though what was interesting was um, that appreciation of the crops, not just as a practical measure or as a supplement to uh, you know the, that the palate that we've heard from other crew members, but um, really appreciate appreciating the smell. And uh, not only that, but just not uh, not only appreciating the crops that are there in Chapia, but Anka reflecting on a potentially long-term impact of appreciation of life on earth. I found that particularly fascinating. Uh, of course, loving that exercise. Talking about the three pieces of equipment and and the diversity of the exercise is something that I don't think we've heard. Uh, but we did hear from Peter and Alyssa earlier in this podcast those equipment and what they can what they can do. Um, so it is. Interesting to hear that, again, not only is it something that is needed, but the crew really looks forward to the exercise and I think is an important part of uh, life on Mars. Uh, one thing that I think is a theme is the is the science of the mission. Um, she never lost sight of it, and I don't think will. Uh, looking forward to the good science, knows what the mission is, uh, pr- producing good science and understanding of what life is like on Mars, uh, and, and really uh, keeping that close hold in the drive of her mission as the science officer. Uh, so it was great to hear from Anka and the rest of the crew for audio log number six, and that'll do it from the crew and uh, Dune Alpha. Thanks for sticking around and uh, listening to this audio log, uh, the sixth and in our installment of audio logs. We are now halfway through. I really hope you're enjoying the crew's journey. Uh, this is, again, the sixth audio log in our series, and we'll continue to follow along with the crew's journey through the duration of their mission that ends this summer. Tune in once a month to check back in. You can check out nasa.gov for the latest on what's going on with Chapia, the latest imagery and science features uh, happening there. And if you like the podcast, we are on nasa.gov slash podcasts, as well as many other shows across the agency. If you want to talk to us in particular, Houston, we have a podcast. We are on the NASA Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook X and Instagram. And you can ask use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform to submit an idea for the show. Just make sure to mention it is for us at Houston, we have a podcast. Recordings were sent from the Chapia crew through December and January uh, of of 2023 and 2024, respectively. And we had the conversation with Peter and Alyssa on December 19th, 2023. Thanks to Will Flado, Dane Turner, Abby Graff, Jaden Jennings, Dominique Crespo, and Anna Schneider. Thanks to Peter Schneider and Alyssa Varanowski for taking the time to come on the show. Thanks to Grace Douglas and Jennifer Miller for their efforts in reviewing these audio log episodes. And big thanks, of course, to Kelly Haston, Ross Brockwell, Nathan Jones, and Anka Solariu for sharing their experience for this audience on Houston We Have a Podcast. Give us a rating and feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on, and tell us what you think of our podcast. We'll be back next week.